Say, I smell bacon. Does anyone else smell bacon? Yeah, I definitely smell a pork product of some type. there and welcome to baseball by design i am sportslogos.net minor league baseball correspondent paul caputo broadcasting live as always from the sunday helmet hall of fame in my basement in fort collins colorado today we're going to be talking about the macon bacon a collegiate summer level team that's been playing in the coastal plain league since 2018 i'll be speaking with designer tony canapa later on in this episode he's the designer who created the logo for the team and of course dan simon will be back with a studio simon stumper Right now, I'm so happy to be talking with Brandon Raphael, who might have the greatest title in the whole world, President of the Bacon. <laughs> President of the Macon Bacon, Brandon Raphael. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, Paul. Thank you so much for having me. Super excited to chat with you all today. Well, this has been a really fun brand for uh, you know a few years now. A great Twitter presence. It's been uh, you know it's been really fun to follow the this team and and sort of coming out of nowhere and and uh, making a name for itself. I just want to start right out with where does the name Bacon come from for a team that plays in Macon, Georgia? That's right. Well, uh, like we do with all of our teams, it's it's fan uh, created. And uh, when we first jumped on board, our first season was 2018. Um, so in 2017, we made the announcement that we're coming to Macon, Georgia and started a, a naming contest. Um, and it was amazing to see all the various votes and suggestions but, um, you know, there's a lot of history of baseball here in Macon, Georgia, and this ballpark is incredibly historic, but um, fan voted on it. And uh, why not? Why not making bacon? Right. <laughs> so the, the team <clears throat> debuted in the Coastal Plain League in 2018. Collegiate summer baseball, especially in recent years with the reduction of affiliated minor league baseball, collegiate summer baseball has had a much bigger presence on the the landscape. For a team to to go about establishing a brand like this and to really market itself outside of just the fact that, hey, we're bringing, you know, college students in from around the world to play on this team, to develop them for their respective college teams that they're going to go back to at the end of the summer. The idea of of college baseball expanding from from that sort of limited role to it's full-blown marketing. We're selling gear all over the country. Obviously a pretty intentional decision and probably not easy to do given the the very cluttered landscape of, of minor league baseball branding. How do you get a, a brand like the Macon Bacon to stand out in this landscape? Well, it starts with your plan. I mean, I think that that's one of the biggest things is having that marketing plan from the get-go and not flying by the seat of your pants and Myself and uh, my business partner, Steve DeLay, we've done this a long time. Uh, it's year 24 for me, uh, this year 30 for him. And uh, the whole thought process is having that 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 beginning uh, of that planning session and, and understanding what it is that you want to do. We, we had it planned out. I mean, we, you know, when we were with Mandalay Baseball Properties for a long time and having the Frisco Rough Riders, the Dayton Dragons, and the Las Vegas 51s, the, the basic premise was already there. And it's just how do we take what we know and how we've built and everything is revolved around entertainment and all you can eat plans and cool logos. And the thought process was from the beginning, how do we do that and bring that to Macon, Georgia? Uh, and, and, and Macon is, is just a star for baseball. There just wasn't much here. And this ballpark is 94 years old this year, Luther Williams Field, second oldest minor league ballpark in the country. And so when you think about historic nature, uh, the area star for baseball, um, 
you know, the last minor league team that was here was in 2001 with the, the Macon Braves uh, that became the Rome Braves. Um, so it's, I think it's, it's from the beginning, people were, were interested to see what we, what we could bring in and from the get go, doing something fun with a, a fun name, fun logo was definitely the start of that. You mentioned the Macon Braves and they're now the Rome Braves. None of the teams that you mentioned that you've had involvement with previously are affiliated teams named for their parent clubs. I think it's, you know, it's, it's identifying with that community. So mm-hmm. when you go with that, that traditional team name, you're identifying with a parent club. Right now, I think it works sometimes when it's like the proximity located to where that uh, parent club is. Yeah. But you know, all of us were in minor league baseball, you know, really that your connection to the major league team was just your player development contract. Everything right. else you kind of is way different now. Right. And right. the control that major league baseball has on their, on their teams, their minor league teams, but it's, it's a sense of, we get to have our own identity and it's, it's something pretty cool from that perspective. Sure. You mentioned a couple of the other teams that you've been involved with over your lengthy career in minor league baseball. And it's amazing that this is the first time that we've actually had the opportunity to speak. So I'm very grateful to get this, this chance to talk to you, but you mentioned the Las Vegas 51s, obviously, you know, pour one out for the 51s. That was a great brand, (laughs) Uh, but named for, for area 51, the Frisco rough riders with their Teddy Roosevelt brand, obviously that's pertinent to that area, Macon and, and bacon, you know, the, the, the reason for the nickname Macon Bacon seems to be, so far as I can tell, exclusively the fact that there's a, a rhyme there. Is it yeah. is it harder <laughs> to build a brand without that backstory? Is it, you know, to to take the Area 51 or to take Teddy Roosevelt and, and build a brand out of those with the fact that there's just a rhyme here? Does that pose an additional challenge or does it sort of free you to do, you know, more and more wacky stuff? Well, it's, it starts out fresh, right? There wasn't that preconceived notion of where we've been and who we are. Brand new team, you know, not a brand new market. I mean, you think, sure. you know, Luther Williams Field, 94 years old. And of those 94 year, years, 78 years of baseball-ish, somewhere right around there. Yeah. And so we love celebrating our history. So we have, with everything we've done at the ballpark, um, name included, old with the new. And sure. we are, you know, we promote the history here, knowing that, you know, Pete Rose is only First and only year in minor league baseball was here in 1962. Crazy. That's you know, a great stat. I didn't know that. That's great. Yes. Uh, and the making peaches. So you think about that of the 75-ish, 78 years of baseball here, they were known as the making peaches for a majority of that. Um, so a lot of people wanted us to be the making peaches. Um, and it just wasn't the right fit for us. Um, we wanted to start something new, something fresh, and something that would ca- potentially catch on. And, and we've had that with some of our other minor league teams. But to catch on throughout the rest of the country and and within, you know, the first, you know, couple of weeks of announcing, you know, the the make and bacon brand that sold to every state in the country and multiple, multiple, uh, multiple countries outside of that. You know, it's pretty cool to think from a name brand perspective that only 42 percent of our merchandise orders are to the state of Georgia. So it's like the thought process is how do you make that a national brand and somewhat of a household name? Sure. It's something that that we've. Um, our goal was to from the beginning. Well, and it w- I would be remiss if I did not bring up the 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 rivalry that I guess used to exist. The Savannah Bananas are no longer in the Coastal Plain League, <laughs> but a, a similar logo and nickname based on a rhyming scheme, basically. How much did that, you know, at the time before the Bananas left the Coastal Plain League, how much did that rivalry 
you know, the the success of that logo and the success of your logo. How much did that help sort of both teams elevate one another? Yeah, a little unknown fact. So Steve DeLay um, helped get their start in Savannah. He knew uh, Jesse Cole really well from his Gastonia days, and he consulted with them for the first couple of years and the all you can eat plans and everything and the entertainment that they uh, they um, got going from the beginning. But the rivalry was great for several reasons. One, close proximity. Um, they're our closest um, team, uh, about three hours away or so. So um, that was great because we played them for like 500 times a year. Right. Um, but it built that natural food rivalry. And that started actually kind of a little bit of a um, – it created this this food league almost with with what happened. And some of the other teams started coming on board, new teams, and they were named themselves food names. So we were known as the food league for a little bit. But yeah. it it created that um, that natural food fight that we called it. Yeah. Um, and uh, playing them so much, um, they really took care of us a couple of times, a couple of years on the field uh, from that perspective. But really the rivalry was just, you know – um, on social media and we were just going back and forth quite a bit. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, to, to see them go is, you know, that, that was their choice and um, sure. changes things up a little bit for our league, but um, you know, it's, it was, it was awesome while it lasted. For sure. You, you mentioned the, on the field play. I'm curious to know whether when you're, when you're recruiting players, when, you know, players from different colleges are deciding where they're going to spend their, their summer seasons, there's a lot of choices. How much of a of a role does the branding play? Are there players who are like bacon, bacon? That's awesome. Everybody loves loves bacon. Are there maybe players who are vegetarians who are like, you know what? I'm going to play for a different team that doesn't have bacon as a logo. Does that does that factor in with the players at all? Uh, yeah, we we have a lot of fun with the Paul. You know, it's um, you know, our coach does all the recruiting here, and he does a great job. Um, and generally speaking, most college football teams it's the same the same deal um where you're gonna see from some of the you know the coastal play leagues one of the top leagues in the country which is awesome so we're gonna get a better crop of players anyways but what you'll see from a lot of the college summer ball um teams is a lot of local flavor um from the area playing at smaller schools and what we get here and the same thing with some of the more successful teams you have a better pick of the selection of who you want you have more people coming to you because you know we're we're averaging about 2500 fans a game um at a 3200 seat stadium a lot of these student athletes are playing in front of a couple hundred people in front of their school and so when they start hearing about the name and the support and the community you hear that a lot right uh, from these prospective players i knew about you i wanted to play there so we get more kids wanting to come to play here versus the recruiting side so we get to choose a little bit um, but when they're sitting in front of you know 2500 fans and sold out crowds getting autographs after the games they're just not used to that um so it's an adjustment period for some of the some of those guys but um it is um it's amazing to see um the experience that they get when they come here staying with host families and um, everything in between well, and I, I'm going to speak with Tony Canepa next about the the work that he's done on the the yeah. brand for this team. I really enjoy some of the uniform sets, like the full you know maroon uniform set, and you know some of these the the branding extends beyond you know the logo to the full uniforms, and I'm sure the players get a get a kick out of that. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a really fun brand. It's a fun team. I'm I'm glad to finally feature it. Uh, I wanted before I let you go here. I wanted to ask you about the uh, the alternate identity that you did, the making eggs, <laughs> a very very yellow brand, and obviously a, you know a complement to the bacon breakfast identity. I kind of feel like there's a partnership with the Montgomery Biscuits in store here in some way. Like now, and now I'm getting hungry because it's before breakfast. That we're doing this interview. How was the uh, the making eggs identity received? 
Well, actually, that that was um, came out of um, COVID um, in yeah. 2020. We actually played live baseball in front of live fans. We were only a few teams in the country that did that. We just reduced our capacity, and Georgia was a pretty open state, so we had the availability and that that support from our governor and our mayor. Um, and so we just didn't have enough teams playing us. So we wanted to play a full schedule for our fans. And so we came up with an alter ego, or we called it alter ego, um, and had fun with it. And it was a no brainer. I mean, it was like, it just, it was immediate. We didn't even have to think about it. It just, it's gotta be the making eggs. Um, so Tony actually, uh, helped us create the logo on that one as well. Um, and it stuck. I mean, we, we had a lot of people wearing making egg gear and, and, um, so every year, even though we're, you know, we're not really obviously needing to play those additional games, we'll play as the making eggs at least once, once, uh, once a year. Uh, a lot of support. Um, it was very confusing at first. A lot of our fans were like, "What? What is this?" And mm-hmm. we had two teams here. We, yeah. you know, we we played Savannah, we played Lexington County, uh, but then we had to kind of play ourselves sometimes too. So we brought in a second team of a second crop of players, and and so it was just a lot of fun. The yellow is not our favorite color. Um, okay. I will tell you that right now we are, uh, we, there's nothing in our ballpark that's yellow and there's certainly no banana flavored, uh, anything, even since they're long gone, um, a quick side story. So Dippin' Dots our first year come in and say, Hey, here's some of the most popular flavors. And, um, they said they're really the most popular flavor throughout all their brand is banana split. And we're like, absolutely, absolutely not, not one chance. So the making egg brand was, was a lot of fun. And, um, we still get some people buying some gear. Um, but, uh, it's, it's different. Right. And so yeah. I don't know, do we bring in making coffee next? Do we do making grits, you know, have a little fun with it, but it, it kind of created that second, um, alternate that we just did not necessarily have on the purview. That's fun. Did the eggs ever play the bananas on the field? I imagine that that would have been like pretty, pretty bright to watch. You know, you have to shield your eyes. Yeah, no, we, uh, <laughs> that, that did not happen <laughs> mostly on purpose, yeah. uh, but we couldn't, even, but we couldn't have um, yellow shirts in here. So, yeah. um, you know, it's just one of those things that uh, it was a lot of fun. And so, um, you know, <laughs> scrambled eggs and all kinds of funny things we <laughs> talked about. It was great. I have one last question. Yeah. Can you, are you guys doing, you mentioned Dippin' Dots. Are you doing helmet Sundays with the bacon logo on them, the little plastic ice cream helmets? We're, we've been. We, that's been a really goal of ours. Our food and beverage director, Jonathan, is 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 trying to find the the best place to do it. The biggest thing for us is affordability on everything we do. Mm. Family friendly, entertainment, affordability. Those helmets are expensive, and the last mm. thing we want to do is uh, upcharge our fans to have to do that. So we actually we we're, we're, we would love to do that, but we haven't quite yet. Okay, well, we know that if that happens, there will not be banana split flavored dip and dice. <laughs> there certainly will not. <laughs> well, Brandon, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Where can folks find the bacon? Where can folks find you on social media? Absolutely. So uh, makingbaconbaseball.com is ours. It's a long one, but it's a good one. Um, and then we're we're everywhere, um, Twitter, Facebook, every, TikTok, everything in between. And uh, we just really appreciate the opportunity and um, we have lots of fun. So for those that are listening, if you're in the area and you want to come down to a game, we'd love to have you. Uh, we appreciate the time. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm so pleased to be joined for the first time on the Baseball by Design podcast by the designer Tony Canepa of Tony Canepa Creative. It's a design and illustration firm right now based out of Austin, Texas. Tony, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing? Paul, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm doing great. I am. I'm so pleased to be 
speaking with the the designer who created the Macon Bacon logo. This is just pure minor league baseball fun. You have done a lot of other work. I was on your website. You have a lot of of not just graphic design work and and logo design, but also illustration work. And certainly not just in minor league baseball, but you know, in 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 all sorts of of realms. So this Macon Bacon logo is, like I said, pure minor league baseball fun, but it's part of a much sort of wider scope of work that that you do. When a team called the Macon Bacon comes to you and you're a serious illustrator doing serious work out there in the the art realm, what is your approach? How do you turn that around to 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 make it more fun and and less serious in terms of your approach as an artist? Um, you know, I've been accused of a lot of things. Serious <laughs> is not typically one of them. Um, but I have a, a long, long history and a background of about 20 years of working in minor league baseball specifically. That's where I got my start. I started out as a mascot. That was my foot in the door. That's and amazing. You, what What mascot were you? I was the Las Vegas 51s mascot Cosmo. This is incredible. How? What years were you Cosmo? I was the very first Cosmo. I was the UNLV running rebel, and that's how I got the gig as as Cosmo. And so when they did the, they changed the name from Las Vegas Stars. They had a mascot. I ended up getting that gig, and um, uh, so I would have been there. That would have been two thousand to two thousand three, I think. About a decade later, I was at a Las Vegas 51s game with press credentials in the press box at Cashman Field. And I went into the press box and here's Cosmo, you know, in the press room. And the gentleman who was playing Cosmo has taken the head off and is just sitting there drenched in sweat looking really miserable. So <laughs> for a moment there, I thought maybe that you and I had met once before in a really terrible moment for the guy playing Cosmo the mascot. I love that you played Cosmo. So before we get into the making bacon, did people call you Jar Jar? Yeah, that was that was pretty frequent. That <laughs> that was more than anything. Yeah, I was called Jar Jar when I was in the suit. People in the office called me Cosmo when I was out of the suit. So nice. it was like, yeah, it was all part of the character. <laughs> all right, so I. I have said that you're a serious illustrator looking at your website here. I right. stand by that based on the work that I'm seeing. Well, thank you. But now we know that you played Cosmo at the Las Vegas 51s. But I, I interrupted you. You were you were uh, talking about your experience in minor league baseball. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I had a long history working in minor league baseball. I did video production and uh, I had been doing design. Basically, when I started out the 51s, I started teaching myself design uh, due to the fact that I had Photoshop on my computer. And I, I started out just taking photos of Cosmo and I'd Photoshop him into uh, movie stills and stuff like that. And it was just started out as fun. And then we decided to use those photos as our season ticket graphics. So I got mm -hmm. to design the season tickets and that was my first, one of my first design gigs. Yeah. And um, so I would just pick up skills as I went along. And then when I went down to uh, the Frisco Rough Riders, I continued to do all of their design. Then I started doing it for the rest of the Mandalay Entertainment teams. Um, and I basically just picked up skills as I went. And I was lucky enough uh, to work for some really great people, one of them being Steve DeLay, uh, who is one of the owners of the Macon Bacon. So 20 years after we met, uh, 
he calls me up and now I'm freelancing on my own. And he says, we've got this team. It's down in Macon, Georgia. It's got this great vintage ballpark. And we're, we're thinking we're going to call it the Macon Bacon. And so I'm sold on the name from the get go. That's it's beautiful. And what was really nice is he and the other co-owner, John Spolstra, they had a really good idea of what they wanted and they definitely wanted a bacon character. That was, that was number one. And so it, what was nice about that is it gave us a really good place to start. And so I started sketching bacon characters and, uh, you know, swinging a baseball bat, doing different things. And, and uh, we just kind of wanted to see kind of where that, where that took us. And then the other nice part about this versus uh, a, a other designs that I've done or other rebrands that I've done uh, is the bacon itself lends itself to a certain color scheme. And we can do a lot of variations with that, but it's probably going to be red. It's probably going to have some white. And so we kind of went with a little bit of a, a cooked bacon burgundy to have that kind of feel. So what was nice about going through the bacon rebrand it, or not even rebrand, just the brand, it was mm -hmm. a, kind of a new team. Mm -hmm. uh, it was that a lot of these things kind of fell into place. And so it kept the, the focus a little bit tighter. And then we got to see where we could really have fun within those confines. So what goes into when you're creating an anthropomorphic strip of bacon, swinging a baseball bat, a little juiced up here, right? Like he's, uh, you know, he's got the the, the sort of mus bit. muscular arms here. One of the details that I absolutely love is that he's wearing a backwards hat, which is actually a frying pan that is coming flying off. He's swinging so hard that the frying pan is coming off the, the top of his head. So, you know, it's a little bit morbid, right? Like you cook bacon in a frying pan and here he's wearing one as a hat. So it's, you know, there's there's sort of a lot going on here. The muscular arms, the frying pan flying off, the the sort of determined look on his face. Obviously you had some, some fun with this. Can you talk about sort of, you know, how much of that was you bringing this to it and how much of it was, uh, you know, the team had sort of specific ideas? Steve and John, they really kickstarted and they said, they said, it's got to be a bacon character. And I said, okay. And so I did a variety of, you know, thinner strips of bacon. I did more bulky strips of bacon, mm -hmm. like kind of like a muscled up kind of monster bacon, you know, and just trying to find the right balance of all of these components. And uh, I actually was looking back at some of my initial sketches and some of them have more like uh, cartoony like noodle arms and other ones are a little bit more buff and some have shoes and some have legs and some don't. And it's finding that balance of what feels like bacon and also what feels like a great character and what feels like a great logo. A lot of these things, because we're bouncing ideas back and forth and it's just through conversation. Some things I don't remember like whose idea mm -hmm. it was or wasn't, but um, the frying pan hat was definitely mine. I do remember that because I included it in a sketch and that was something that everybody just went like, Oh yeah. Like we got to have that. And um, immediately I think Steve said, he was like, he's like, Oh my God. Can we get, do you think we can get foam frying pan hats for the fans, like cheese heads, like that kind of thing? And I I was thinking, I was like, oh yeah, you got to have that, you know? Right. So 
Um, I did versions where the, you know, the pan was on his head. I did the versions where it was flying off. And um, I even, you know, there, I just found an early sketch where he's standing like in the frying pan, you know, like that's a little different riff. Um, <laughs> sure is. Yeah. So it's just kind of like finding, finding what feels right. And, um, and then going through and figuring out it's like, what's the correct amount of marbling in the bacon, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. those kind of things, those little details that, at, so at first glance, you know exactly what it is and, and that it just reads. So I'm going to sort of call out some of your other work that you've done here, because I'm curious about the relationship. You've done some illustration work based on Star Wars bounty hunters. You've done some custom barware with some really sort of interesting, like retro looking uh, tiki artwork on it. Stars of Burlesque. That's uh, thankfully I'm not recording this at work right now. So I can, <laughs> uh, you know, in case I accidentally click on that one. Uh, it's so, all very you know, tasteful. It's all fun. It's all cartoony. <laughs> it is. It is. It's got this sort of terrific illustrative qual quality about it. And then also, we didn't talk about this when we talked about your sort of your bona fides, your experience in, in minor league baseball. You worked for the Tacoma Rainiers for seven years, I believe you said when we were talking in the pre-interview, did a lot of the, the work for, for their rebrand when they switched over to the R script. You know, they're a triple A team. They have a more serious brand, right? Like their aesthetic, their their visual vernacular is more major league than it is minor league. So again, I said it at the beginning of the, of the interview, you've done a lot of sort of more sophisticated, sort of more serious design work, illustration work. And, you know, even the work that you've done in minor league baseball outside of being Cosmo, the... 51's mascot, which I still find amazing. I love that we discovered that <laughs> on the air while we were talking. Even the work that you've done in minor league baseball is largely sort of more sophisticated and more serious. And then here you have this collegiate summer level team and they're, and they come along and they're like, Hey, create a cartoon character. That's basically, uh, you know, a strip of bacon swinging a bat. How does that serious, the more serious work that you do, how does that inform creating a sort of silly character, like a strip of bacon? That's a, that's a really good question. I think where I pull in uh, those more traditional elements or the more reserved, the, the classic elements, we'll say, um, is I, I you're always looking, whether you're doing a piece of illustration, whether you're doing a piece of design, where you're designing a logo, a uniform, a hat, um, you're always looking for balance. And I think balancing those classic elements with the contemporary elements, with the with the silly elements, something serious with the silly. Um, that's what I, I'm always looking to do. And me and my personal taste is I tend to gravitate toward uh, vintage design. I love stuff from the 1960s. I love uh, flat graphic design. I, I All of these like real crisp, clean stuff. I love that stuff, but mm -hmm. I am also a big fan as an illustrator of more illustrative design guys like Bernie Fuchs and, and, and classic illustrators like that. And so if I can combine, so if I'm doing the making bacon, um, that is inherently silly. And we're going to do, we're going to have, you're going to have to have that, that, uh, marbling of the marbling bacon texture and that's like a great design motif but what i did was is like on one of our uniforms i combined that with uh 
the classic uh, Houston Astros rainbow jersey, mm -hmm. which I think is it's it's one of the best jerseys and uniform sets of all time and one of my favorites <laughs> by far. Um, but doing that rainbow design, but with the bacon motif, uh, that that to me is something that I felt was very classic, really cool, fun, but powerful. And through the other uniform sets, you might even kind of notice it's like the overall aesthetic is pretty classic, but it, like when you start to look closer, you have the bacon M on the hat. You have all of these des classic design motifs, but with this fun, silly edge. And I think trying to find that right balance and hopefully uh, achieving that is a great goal because that way you can like from from the stands, you look like a great, classic, fantastic looking baseball team. But when you get up close or when you buy a hat, when you buy a jersey and stuff, it has that sense of fun that everybody's looking for. That's why you go to a minor league baseball game. It's because you want to have fun. Absolutely. Yeah. I you know, and I'm looking at these, you were talking about the uniform designs. One of the things that stands out to me is the like the the alternate, the first alternate. Uh, and I would really, by the way, encourage everyone who's listening to go check out your website. It'll be in the show notes, but it's tonycanepa.com. And, you know, some of the illustration work that we've been talking about is is up there. And I, you know, I was clicking through that and enjoying that. Um, but also all the work that you did for the Make and Bacon is on there. In particular, the uniform that stands out to me is the one that is all maroon. Uh, the socks, the pants, the jersey, everything is full maroon, such that the player actually looks like a strip of bacon because there's the pinstriping up the side the identity extends all the way to the to the uniforms so i really i really enjoy that about it uh, i've already kept you longer than i meant to but i do have one more question for you which is the reason i do this podcast is because i love telling the stories about what these logos and nicknames mean to their local communities and and so often you know you have for example, the Rocket City Trash Pandas, you know, they're they have the Marshall Space Flight Center there right, you know, right nearby. There's a connection to NASA and, and rocket engineering. And so, you know, there's a whole story behind where that nickname came from. With this team, it's pretty obvious that bacon rhymes with Macon. That's the origin of the name. Was there something else about bacon that related to Macon or was it purely just the rhyme? As far as I know, it was more it was more the rhyme and just okay. the fun of that. And I think also it was because they're in the same league as the Savannah Ban Bananas, it was kind of a of a piece, but also a contrasting kind of thing uh, sure. to that word. And who doesn't love bacon? Who doesn't love bacon is absolutely right. I mean, it's honestly such a fun brand, and I'm so glad to have gotten to to feature it on on the podcast, and also so glad to finally have have met you, because I've seen your work out there, and so I'm really glad to have had this conversation. You know, I mentioned your website tonycanepa.com. Where where can folks find you on social media? Uh, I'm predominantly on Instagram. I do have a Twitter. Uh, my handle is the Tony Canapa. Uh, and yeah, you can find me there or at tonycanapa.com. There's always, always new stuff kind of coming out, always new things. And I need to get my uh, Florence Flamingos uh, stuff on my website. Okay. So we get to talk again. If you, you did the Florence <laughs> Flamingos, I'm absolutely going to do an episode on the Florence Flamingos. We will talk again. That's, that is good news. And then someday, 
I'm going to do an episode. I am going to do an episode on the aviators. That's actually on the schedule and is coming up in the not too distant future. Someday I'm going to do an episode on the Las Vegas 51s. And I'm going to come back to you to talk to you for the 51s episode because, you know, having having someone who played Cosmo on a on a 51s episode is going to be uh, pretty great. That'd be fantastic. Tony, it was a pleasure to meet you. Thanks so much. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. It's time once again for Studio Simon Stumpers. This is so much fun. I love having Dan Simon on every single episode. We're here talking about the Macon Bacon. As I've said before, I can't prepare for these because I don't know, is this going to be about Macon, Georgia? Is it going to be about teams that rhyme? Is it going to be about bacon itself? Meat-based brands? I don't know. So I, I'm ready to, I, I'm, I'm completely unprepared, but ready to jump in. Dan, welcome back. Thanks for being here. Once again, thanks for having me. Uh, what what today's question is going to center around or is making professional sports. Okay. Okay. Um, so in addition to making being the home to minor league baseball and now collegiate summer league baseball, um, Macon has been home to professional hockey off and on dating back to 1973, 50 years of hockey in uh but not continuous in, in Macon um, with their teams playing at the Macon Coliseum, which opened in 1968. Um, so our studio Simon Stumper today asks, which of these three names was not a name of one of the incarnations of the minor league hockey team in Macon? Okay. Which one was not, was it a, the Macon whoopie B the Macon waves or C, the Macon Tracks. Okay, so one of these teams was not a professional hockey team in Macon, Georgia. Whoopie waves tracks. Are you you always you're gonna you are, you're gonna admonish me about my first choice and then my my immediate reaction and then my you know then then the answer I ended up going with. The waves is kind of one that doesn't make sense to me because hockey's played on ice and waves is a liquid and so tracks i can see because you make tracks in the ice with uh with ice skates so tracks i'm gonna i'm gonna say early on here that tracks probably is not the answer to this question i'm gonna say that they were one of the teams so i'm gonna say it's either whoopee because whoopee is goofy for a team but you know maybe they wanted to do something goofy or waves because waves is a liquid not a solid like ice that hockey is played on um, I'm going to say there was a team that thought it was hilarious to be the whoopee. I'm going with waves. Final answer. Butter my butt and call me a biscuit. You beat the stumpers again. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> we did it. So waves, because it's a liquid, maybe. I don't know. what. Was, so what was, well, I like when you do this because you always have a rationale for here's why a team would have been called the waves. And so, so I'm curious. Well, in this case, well, first of all, you you eliminated waves because waves is a liquid and hockey is played on ice, but you didn't eliminate whoopee. You're, nobody makes whoopee in hockey. You know, there's a, <laughs> there's a different location um, yeah. that that particular um, bit of entertainment is is the venue for. So, uh, um, <laughs> but yes, they're making is. As far as I know, landlocked. But but are there rivers there? 
there has to be rivers, rivers, right? Like there in Georgia, there's there's rivers everywhere, and and yeah, you know. so there could be waves, you know, on a river, even could though be. not like on a uh, on a beach. But yeah. anyway, so so the the only reason for that as the the wrong answer, that, well, actually it was the right answer, but the the team, the the faux team in mm -hmm. this case, is because making waves is is an expression of. of common expression hey i don't want to make it waves you know so so <laughs> it, it's a name that makes sense at least and right you know given the fact that you had making whoopee making tracks um why wouldn't a team there necessarily name themselves the making waves just another right. making pun right so uh you know the history there the first professional hockey team was the making whoopees plural who played in the newly formed Southern Hockey League in 1973, but they disbanded at midseason due to poor attendance. I guess the South was not yet ready for, for hockey. Yeah. Um, then there was the Macon Whoopee singular that played in the Central Hockey League from 1996 through 2001, but then they went bankrupt. Um, now, here's a little... Uh, um, Side note regarding the making whoopee. Their mascot was a whooping crane. Get it? Whoopee, whooping crane. <laughs> okay, um, very good. Okay, I like this. That would, from time to time, be menaced by a bee. So you get it? The birds and the bees. Uh. Making whoopee. So it's a very, uh, very clever marketing there for the, the making whoopies. Um, Absolutely. They're, they're, you know, this is your podcast is about sports, um, more specifically minor league baseball and collegiate summer league branding. So uh, their branding did not um, visually represent the phrase. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't eliminate that one because even though making whoopee is not associated with hockey rinks, I figured it was just they just figured they could sell some merch because. People would think it was funny that there was a team called Making Whoopee, like the Making um, Bacon. There, you know, yeah. I don't know. It's not a. I don't know that there's a baseball phrase that has to do with bacon. Mm -hmm. Also, it just it makes for a good name, like Savannah right. Bananas. You know, so, um, so anyway, next next after the Making Whoopee came the Making Tracks okay. with a locomotive themed identity. Oh, um, and that's tracks with an X. Um, of course, and they had the interesting. Um, experience of having played in a different league in each of their three years of existence from 2002 to 2005. Um, and most recently, the team has been home and still currently is home to the Southern Professional Hockey League's Macon Mayhem since 2015. So there, that's the pretty much uh, covers the history of minor league hockey in the city that is also home to the Macon Bacon Coastal Plain League team. Dan, you are a font of knowledge. I learn something new every time we have a Studio Simon Stumper. I appreciate you being here, and we'll see you next time on Studio Simon Stumpers. I am excited just at the thought of being back again next week. One week from this moment right now that you're listening to this podcast. <laughs>